Um, do you guys have a good week? You have good weeks? I'm sure there's a, there's plenty of things we could talk all night about. I really want to mix it up a little. I was telling Jamie, some of the other folks earlier, um, my desire now, since we've gone through the first three chapters of Ephesians together, was really the first part of this whole group. The eight weeks was just to really inundate us, as I've said repeatedly, in the gospel and the good news. And I think we've, we've definitely experienced the blessing of that. I know I have. And, um, and then in the last um, chapters four, five, and six, we get to segue into the reality of how do we live that out. Um, four, which is what we're covering tonight, chapter four, is kind of the bridge between, between the good news of the gospel and how amazing it is to... Chapters 5 and 6, which are the real practical relationship-based applications. Chapter 4 is just kind of reminding us, okay, because of chapter 1 through 3 of the gospel, um, we have as Christians a, 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 a calling that, that wants to be different. God wants us to be different, to look different than those that don't have God. Um, simple concept, but profound when you, when you really apply it simply. And, and so in the last few weeks of this study, I really want to... Um, Really make it more purposeful for you to have direct outlet for your faith. To really have a, uh, I mean, guys, if you look around, the potential in this room for God to, to rock this community. I mean, just be outside of Calvary Slow, just just San Luis Obispo, the 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 potential in this room with the with one, the the relationship you have with Christ and and the motivation that comes from knowing the gospel, matched with your season in life, which is very able to do a lot of things for the kingdom not just work out like you're trying to earn god's favor but literally serving you know the the word ministry means serving the availability you have uh to serve each other and to serve this community is 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 at its all-time high uh you don't have necessarily the excuse of i got to study for my my final necessarily or you don't have the excuse like i got to stay home because my kid needs a nap you don't have the excuse of you know all those other things right now you're, you have more time at your disposal uh, than you ever will have before or after. It's, it's, a, it's a reality. I'm not going to beat around the bush in that. So you get the motivation of the gospel plus your availability to serve the Lord in the time there that you have available to do that. And, uh, and many of you are, are serving um, with all of your hearts. It's great. But, but you think of that, those two things put together, you have an amazing opportunity to bless. You have an amazing opportunity to bless uh, San Luis Obispo and, and, and this whole county. I will say that in the weeks to come, I'm going to continue to give you snippets or, or kind of um, uh, a few words in different areas where you can do that. Um, I'm going to have some, actually one of my friends, Bob Bertino, come in and talk to you. And I'll give you one example. Some of you have uh, inquired or been a mentor for one kid. One kid. And our most successful mentors, I've and, and Dave has been so faithful in waiting for a mentee. We've, he's, he signed up a while ago, and for whatever reason, for the first time in our history, we didn't have a waiting list for kids wanting to be matched at the elementary school we meet at on Sundays. Um, but Dave's just one guy that I say, man, not only does he have the availability for a young person to meet with him just like one or two hours every other week, um, but but he's stable here in terms of you know he's he's not going to move in a couple of years he's he's grounded here necessarily unless the Lord we're going to take him somewhere else but our most successful mentors have been people in your season of life and, um, and I'm not saying that to just kind of persuade you to be involved this is just one I, one um, example of how you can take a little bit of that open kind of what should I do now you know friends reruns is cool. Um, but you may compare that with hanging out with a little kid. Now, you start getting Wipeout now. Have you guys seen Wipeout? Oh, my goodness. That is the best show ever. It is like the best show ever. I'm on a tangent again on Wipeout. My kids love it, too. We just sit there and crack up. Who has not seen Wipeout? Okay, everybody's going to come over to my house, and you're going to watch Wipeout with me and my kids. And Wendy will be in the background, so we go going like this. But it's all about people, literally, the name fits. It's people wiping out. And it's just, it's not like, it's like they set it up where you, you go through this obstacle course. And, you, and it's really funny. <laughs> Why am I talking about that? It's because, it's because, uh, because that's a choice. You get to watch Wipeout. <laughs> or, 
I wouldn't blame you for that. But there's other things that you could be doing with your time. Now, I'm not here to give guilt trips to everybody. Just the opposite. I want to say, gosh, if, if, if you look at your life and you have, you're here, so that's a good thing, you know, at a, at a Bible study. Um, but let's say you go to church and then you have Sunday night, you have Monday you work, perhaps your schedule like this, Monday you work, get, you get off, you have dinner, um, hang out with some friends maybe, play a game and then go to sleep and get up, go to work, do the same thing, and then come study. You have this to look forward to, so you come here, and you, you go to work Thursday, and you get off, and then you got farmer's market, and then you get off, and you know what I mean? You just, it can easily go, and you're like, wow, I'm at Saturday. What a, Saturday's got to be some kind of barbecue. i got to tri-tip, or i got to go surf, or i got to do something. It's calling me, right? I'm going to play some hoop. I'm going to dunk on people. And, 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 and you know, your, your schedule's set, right? And then Sunday comes, you're like, you're, you're, you're in a routine, is my point. But now's the time, now's the time. If there's ever a time to ask God, God, would you be the Lord? Whoa, would you be the Lord of my schedule? Um, it's now. It's now. It's now. Because there's going to be busier and busier and busier things. So, so my, I feel my responsibility, guys, and I'll say this, my responsibility is to take you into the gospel, swim there, see how great a gospel it is, so that in chapter 4, for example, we'll be able to just be impressed. And now what do I do with that great, great gospel that I've... That I've been saved by that is a gift to me it's not by anything i've done there's no um there's no really remembrance of my record of wrongs before god man that is just unbelievable life-changing life-motivating stuff doesn't get better than that so i'm just asking you to start even the prayers now saying god if if you're not already serving somewhere or you have some kind of outlet for your faith then to look, look out at you guys just from this perspective is to say, my goodness, what is this community going to look like if you just take one avenue to serve Jesus? One. Just one. You know, I, don't, I wouldn't want you to try and do everything. I just would want you to try one thing for the gospel. I mean, if, if you consider one thing being, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to seek out my neighbor who I know is hurting and, and offer to mow their lawn once a week. I mean that kind of thing. I mean just... Just one outlet for your faith that you're, and, and don't, con, don't con, let me confuse you. I'm not saying you need to do stuff. I'm just saying that you're ready to do stuff if you've been convinced of the gospel. Okay? You're ready. God, that's all you need. You just need to be convinced that Jesus loves you and he died for you and that you're set for eternity. And somehow, through that truth, you, all of a sudden you have all these windows of time and energy that you can expel for somebody else. More than getting up early and surfing, although that's great. I've heard. I don't surf. I think it's good. It looks fun. Go do it. Go do it. But don't let it dominate your schedule. Okay? Don't let it dominate your schedule. Let the Lord dominate your schedule. And then you'll start saying, my goodness, I would not trade Wednesday nights. My goodness, I would not trade Thursday nights. I would not trade my early morning getting up my time with the Lord. Those things are, that's, life's fun. Life is really fun. And when you, when you get married, you're in your engagement, you get married, you have kids, it's the whole thing. Now it's, guess what? It's a family adventure. And you're asking, what is a fam- what, God, what do you want for this family to do for your name? And sometimes it turns out to be kind of funny, you know, with my kids and, and some of the things that God has us do, like how's Koreans? Like that's just funny to me. It's like we have, we have that's why our ministry, our calling is, you know, to, to house Korean people. I'm a Mexican, you know. I, I, it's just kind of not there in my, in what I thought God was going to bring on our plate. You, you think I'm joking? I'm serious. I I trip out. Last night we had a great event. Epic. I'll just I'll just keep this brief. I promise. Epic is. You guys know what Epic is? <clears throat> Somebody tell me what Epic is, or tell the group. What is it? Yeah, it's. I guess it's a part of um, Crusade. But it's specifically for Asians. Well, they got wind of our hosting because a few of them come to Calvary and uh, heard my announcements. And so they put on a night last night. This is, this is one, one way, okay? This is one way. As an example, they put on a night where they had us, all the host families and all the kids over for dinner. They served us dinner. They made it good stuff, too. I was impressed. College students served us ribs, homemade mashed potatoes, not the box kind, uh, Caesar salad, corn on the cob. Good night. College students together made that for us. Like... <laughs> All the dads are like, this is really good. Like, these are college students. And so anyways, they had us over this house, and then they fed us food, and then they, 
they, they had some Korean-speaking students in their fellowship share with the Korean students we have for the few weeks we have them about what it's like to be a college student. You know, they're academically driven, right? South Korea, big time. So, so it was a, when I was meeting with Brendan Patibo, he, he and I were talking about the, the motivation here collectively is for them to excel scholastically. And we have two moms with us too, so they're going to resonate with that. But also what I wanted them to do was to share how Jesus you know, affects as he's Lord, he can inundate something like, I'm going to achieve academically. I'm going to achieve, you know, like this. And so it was really cool because they were able to share and speak Korean straight to the kids. And we had a great time. They took them out, played capture the flag, brought them back in, sent them out with goodie bags, included a track. You know, it was just awesome. Everybody had a great time. That's just one, one idea of just, I love Jesus and I'm looking for opportunities to serve him, serve other people and love him that way. So, Anyways, I'm done off on that subject. Let's get in the Word. Ephesians 4. <clears throat> we'll read this, and then, uh, and then we'll pray and ask God to bless our time in His Word. Paul says this, I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord... Beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called, with all lowliness and gentleness, with all long suffering, bearing with one another in love, enduring to keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, he says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. Now this he ascended, quote unquote, what does it mean? But that he also first descended in the lower parts of the earth. He who descended is also the one who ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love, may grow up in all things into him who is the head, that is Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of oneself in love, of itself in love. This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the bitterness of their heart, who being past feeling have given themselves over to lewdness to work all in cleanliness with greediness. But you have not so learned Christ. If indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning your former conduct the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And that you put on the new man, which was created according to God, in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, put away lying. Let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Don't let your sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. Let him who stole steal no longer, but rather, rather let him labor, working with his hands what is good, that he may have something to give him who has need. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. And don't grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, all wrath, all anger, all clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. Father God, a lot of a lot of information here in this chapter, and uh, I want to do it 
it's, it's due service, God. And I want to proclaim it as you proclaimed here, not making it more complex than it ought to be. Um, not oversimplifying, God, but just being true to, the, to what your intent is in this chapter through your servant, Paul. Lord, we thank you for um, just using that man, a uh, man just like us, God, to share this word with us that would be around for uh, thousands and thousands of years. And, and Lord, it's still to this day, God, it is so, so completely relevant. And uh, God, you use it to reprove us. You use it to um, really refine us. You use it to encourage us and edify us, God. And, and we want to do likewise with our lives in obedience to it. So as we study, God, um, anoint me, please. Uh, allow it to be clear. Allow your word to do its work in our hearts and prepare that soil in our hearts so that when the, sur- when, the, when the seed of the word gets implanted in our soil of our hearts, God, that it, it actually produces much fruit. Lord, we thank you and we ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. Okay. So this is the bridge chapter in my mind. Bridge chapter. Have the greatness of the gospel, one through three. We just we were able to just be poured upon by the truth of the love of Christ, which surpasses all knowledge. And realize at the end of chapter three that Paul's reminding us he's able to do just abundantly more than we could even imagine. I mean, far beyond your ability to, to formulate a desire, God's going to surpass that. Um, with his grace and with his power and everything's for his glory so when he starts chapter four he says i therefore prisoner of the lord beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you are called it's a it's a natural it's it's like a romans chapter 12 where he basically says here's the reality therefore i conclude based on that reality in this case the gospel i conclude that we have a responsibility and what does he break down the responsibility to be he basically says there's a way to live that's going to honor the Lord. There's a way to live that's different than what you used to live or how the Gentiles would live. Now, we need to make a distinction between when he makes reference to the Gentiles here. It's unlike the previous chapters that we've read. He's saying, I have good news for you Gentiles. But here in this chapter, he's going to compare Gentiles to people that are um, ignorant of the power and the grace and the love of God. Okay, He's going to say... He's going to make a distinction between those who have been brought in to the, to the uh, inheritance of the Jews that have been grafted in as co-heirs, co-partakers of God's riches and his, and his inheritance. They have every right to come to the Lord Jesus just as much as a faithful Jew who lived out his life in obedience to the law, to the prophets. But in this case, he's going to make reference to the Gentiles in them being ignorant. Ignorant of what? Ignorant of everything chapters 1 through 3 talked about. The gospel. The gospel. That you've been saved by grace through faith. But even that is a gift from God. It's not from yourselves so that no one can boast. Okay, Because he's saying the Gentiles are ignorant, he's going to be saying there's repercussions to that. If you have ignorance, okay, that's not a good thing. You're going to have things happen and you're going to make choices based on that ignorance that are going to lead you to dead ends. They're going to lead you to sin, depravity, a hardness of heart, an inability to feel appropriately as if you had a, your hand over a stove and you could not feel the heat from the flame. Um, without those God-given, and I stress God-given realities that you have a tenderness to sin only because you are not ignorant anymore to the reality of life and the perils thereof and the grace of God, that you actually have the opposite of numbness. You have a sensitivity. That's why when you guys... When you guys and gals, when, you, when, in, when sin comes across your path, easily wanting to entangle all that you are in, in, your, in your footsteps towards the Lord, that's why you have conviction. That's why you even care about how God feels about those actions, those things that come through your mind or your heart that are dishonoring to Him. It's because you are not walking in ignorance anymore. You've been given the gospel, and therefore that education in the spiritual realities, which is the best education you could ever receive, in itself a gift, there's a, there's a repercussion of you not being ignorant too that God expects, okay, that God wills for your life. So you have people that are uh, um, in understanding. They have been revealed the gospel. Their eyes have been opened. They can see clearly to navigate appropriately through the choices of life. And you have people that are still ignorant of the love of God and thereby are destined to run into things that they otherwise would 
steer clear from. Okay? So he's going to say, I'm a prisoner, and I, and I just want you to know that I can't freely walk where I want to right now. He says, I'm a prisoner of the Lord. He's under house arrest, most likely in Rome. And he is not able to, it's not like he was in the throes of a dungeon, face down in the stocks. He's under house arrest, awaiting trial. That's how Rome would handle their criminals or those who were going to go into trial. They were under, oftentimes, house arrest. So it wasn't a bad situation for Paul. But nonetheless, he's saying, I'm not free. I can't just go walk somewhere. Because he's saying, I'm, I'm a prisoner. I'm limited. But what does he say? I'm beseeching you. I'm urging you. I'm, I'm imploring you. There's a strong emphasis with this word beseech that says, I am, I am just begging you to what? To walk worthy of the calling which you were called. Now, remember going back to um, look at chapter 1, verse 18. Remember when he prayed the first time for the Ephesians that they would have three things? They would have what? They would have through the illumination of God given to them, that they would know the hope of their what? The calling, right? And what else? That they would know the riches of the glory of the inheritance in the saints. And then number three, that they would know the power that's available to them, to everyone who believes, the same power that raised Christ from the dead. So first of all, he wants them to know, because God illuminates them, or in this case, educates them, informs them, you have an amazing calling that just the knowledge of and the understanding of breeds hope. Through every trial, everything that you face in life, the calling gives you hope through those things. And he's basically saying here, you have such a great calling, he's making reference to it again, and he's saying, you have a calling and thus there's an appropriate way to walk. And and a walk is, um, and basically, if you're a prisoner, you can't go out and walk, but if you're free to do so, there's a way that's appropriate that matches the calling on your life. So the question is, okay, what is that calling? What is that calling? The calling is, and to walk worthy of, is to say you are a saint. You are a child of the great King of kings and Lord of lords. You're not a slave. You're not a servant. You're not an employee, as we talked about before. You're a child. And your, your DNA, if you would, would be matching that of your Savior. So the best calling you have is to look like him who is your father okay your your calling is to navigate your environment so you don't hit like a pole you know if i'm going to walk this room i'm going to avoid that pole because it's illuminated for me so if i liken that pole to sin to the trappings of my own desires to the world system that basically promotes things contrary to the will of god I'm going to be able to only see that because God illuminates that. So he's saying, don't run into poles. He's like, don't, don't be like a prisoner where you're encumbered by chains. Don't be under house arrest, if you will. You're going to walk somewhere. Just make sure you walk worthy. Because everybody's walking. And there's a destination to be had from walking. Right? Opposite walking, staying still. You're not going anywhere. He's saying everybody's going to walk. You're either going to walk with an environment that's illuminated, where we have the lights on, or you're going to have a walk where you're in darkness, or here's the worst case scenario, is you actually have been illuminated by God the way to walk, and yet you choose to close your eyes and cover them and fall in the same trappings as if you'd never been illuminated at all. That's the worst possible place, right? It's like I'm falling in the same trappings as if I didn't even know the gospel. And I'm not saying this is... uh, the world's worst condition because I walk it every day. <laughs> that's, that's my life. It's like, why am I holding my hands over my eyes when I should know better? And it's the praise of the Lord that it's not a long trip back to reality where I can just open my eyes and say, I know it's true, God. You know, forgive me for wandering, forgive me for straying, whatever. But there's two, pe- two groups of people, okay? He goes on, he says, the way you walk worthy of the great calling of the gospel is this. Look how he describes it. He describes it in a way that's not so much what you do, but the mentality or the condition of your heart. Because he likens it to be, what? Humble. He says you walk with lowliness. You walk with gentleness. You walk with patience. And you walk with long-suffering. And you bear with the people that are also walking in faith next to you in love. Okay, so that's how you walk. You walk humbly. You walk with patience. You walk with endurance. 
you know that as you're going to be bumping into those that you're walking with, for example, when you're offended by another believer, that there's actually patience and abundance that's ready when those things happen so that you can be reminded of one another, hey, the gospel, I didn't deserve anything. This is all a gift to me. Grace is a gift to me. Uh, this life illuminated is a gift to me. I'm not running into things because God's action on my behalf so that I have patience with those that are still bumping into poles because I know I have a tendency to do so too. Okay? So he's saying, if you want to know what, that, what it looks like, it's the opposite of pride. It's the opposite of, of self-exaltation. It's the opposite of backbiting. It's the opposite of gossip, gossiping. It's the opposite of tearing one down. It's all about esteeming others better than yourself as you walk. Okay? That's what it looks like. So he's going to say, Paul, how, how do I know how to walk? Well, you're praying for God to give you a humble heart that's broken of pride. That's broken of the self-sufficiency that we're all uh, easily succumbed to. And he's all, you're endeavoring to keep the, the what? What does it say in verse 3? You're endeavoring to keep the unity. The bond, okay? The unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. You're, you're endeavoring. That endeavoring in the Greek is you're, you're basically re- working really, really hard at it. There's a... There's a There's a guy that I used to work with, and I used to work for the power company down in Southern California when I was home during my summers of college. There was a guy, there was an old man, he's probably about 60s, and all he would do was comb his hair, white hair, and he would just comb it all day. He had big black, black glasses. But he was, he was a guy I had to work with because I was a grunt groundman, and grunt groundman for electrical just means you're digging most of the time or you're taking cable through ditches and you get in nostril that dust in your nostrils when you take it out. It's just thoroughly gross. And, and so he's like, I would go out with him, and it was just him, and I knew every time if my peg went on his, you know, under his crew, that it was going to be a long, arduous day. One reason is because he had paid his dues, and now I was going to do everything he didn't want to do because he had the, you know, he was in his 50s or 60s, and I was the grunt groundman, right? So you give the grunt groundman the stuff that you don't want to do, which is what? He literally would tell me, he's all, okay, we got a fault right here. You're going to dig a hole. I want it to be something I can step into. I'm not exaggerating. I want a hole I can step down into and not get dirty, sit down and work on the cable. Now, if you're going to sit down and work on a cable that's buried underground, you have to dig beyond the cable that you find that has a fault where other guys at work with would just be hanging upside down. And I got it, you know, just far enough, you know, just as long as I can see it. This guy wanted to be able to sit down in the hole and work on it comfortably, which means I have to go beyond the fault. And, and make it so he can access it without getting dirty. And so what did he do? I'm digging. I'm digging. I'm digging. I look back. He's reading the paper in the truck. I'm digging some more. He's sleeping. He usually slept right after. Because reading the paper is really hard work, right? So you've got to take a nap afterwards. And I'm digging. I'm digging. I finally get down. And no thank you. Just like, all right. You done? Sit down. Do his work. Comb his hair. Get out. Okay, put the dirt back in. We're done. I'll be in the truck. You know, I was like a Christian for like, oh, like two years, three years, and God was teaching me what? I can be opposite. I can walk. I can walk in bitterness. I can walk in frustration. You guys know if it's not that, you guys have been in work situations where it's just like the same thing, right? It's like, why am I cleaning this bathroom? Why am I cleaning this bathroom? Somebody else should clean it, right? Or why am I having to do this duty? This is for the people that entry level people. I've been here for. Two years of this company, right? It's just the same thing. You have an opportunity. What? To walk. You're going to be walking one way, right? I mean, you're going to walk some way. You may as well walk with just, okay, God. Okay. You're going to have to step in here because this is contrary. You can tell I'm still a little worked up over huh? <laughs> still, it's still, I mean, it was ridiculous. We're talking Southern Cal, smoggy, 100-degree heat. And I'm sitting here going, I can't believe this guy. But really, the, I mean, it still sticks with me. It's like, Lord's like, are you going to do this just for people that are nice to you? Or are you just going to serve because I called you to serve? No matter what. It's like, you know, I want to work this out in your heart till you understand the way that's best is the way to swallow your pride and actually be a servant and walk in humility. No matter who's treating you and how they're treating you. Okay? That's what we're talking about. Which goes contrary to your desires because you don't want to do that. Right? You want to work hard so you can get to the position where you don't have to do the stuff you don't want to do. Right? <laughs> That's why promotions are so good, because now you get to tell somebody else to go do it, right? It's like, who cares about the money? I mean, the money's good, but I don't have to do that anymore. He's saying you're going to walk. 
Now, when you walk, people are going to annoy you. People are going to annoy you. People are going to injure you. They're going to offend you. They're going to treat you bad. They're going to do things even when they're not intending to do simply because they're sinners that hurt your feelings and make things difficult for you. These are believers. These aren't somebody out because he says you've got to endeavor to keep the unity in spite of these things because they're going to be there. You don't get cured of all your idiosyncrasies when you become a believer. When you step into the reality and you, the, the room's illuminated and the grace of God doesn't mean you leave all the sin at the door, right? doesn't leave all your tendencies to injure and hurt those that you love. You guys have said this before. The one I hurt the most is my wife. Who's the one I least want to hurt? My wife. Why does this happen, God? How can I keep stumbling upon this injury and this offense to the one I love the most? Well, you know, hello. You know, I'm, I wasn't, I didn't check in my, all this stuff in my heart when I got saved. It's going to happen one day, and I praise God that there's a future like that. He's going to bring it to completion. He's the author and the finisher of our faith. But, but he's like, you got to endeavor. you got to work hard. It's not going to come easy. You're not going to afford forgiveness and mercy and long-suffering and patience naturally. It's going to come because you're reminded of the fact that you've been treated so much better by Jesus himself, by the Father who saved you. That's the only place you get motivation, especially those people that you see do that in a pattern. Like just leave a wake, like a boat going through a lake. There's a wake of just people that are hurting. It's like, you know what, God, you're going to do your work in them. They love you. I know they're saved. I'm just going to trust that to you. Um, I can be honest as I truth speak truth, as he's going to say in a little bit. But I'm going to leave. I'm going to leave your work to you. I'm not. I'm not the spiritual police here. I'm not going to say why because huh, I don't. I don't want that same examination right here because I know I'm going to fail it. Right. So if we're working hard, if you're working hard and I'm working hard on 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 keeping the bond of the unity of you know spirit of unity and the bond of peace. If I'm working hard and you're working hard, and I've already resigned my fact to, myself to the fact that I don't deserve anything because I'm in awe of the grace of God, then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be a little bit more patient, aren't I? I'm going to have a little bit more long-suffering, aren't I? When that's in the forefront of my mind. That's why the gospel comes first, you guys. That's why he spends three chapters on it. Because it's a lot easier to take the medicine with some sugar in it. Right? It's a lot easier to do that. That's, that's Mary Poppins, right? You guys... Sugar? Everybody's all. <laughs> Sugar and medicine, they don't taste very good. Now they have bubble gum. Like my, can I have the bubble gum, Dad? It's like, this is medicine. You don't drink it by, you know, the, the court. Um, so they put the sugar in the medicine. Okay, there's one body, there's one spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling. One body. One body of Christ, one family, one group you belong to. You can't choose the other team. Okay? You're stuck. Um, one spirit, one Holy Spirit, praise God, just as you were called in one hope of your calling. We have the same hope, guys. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna see Jesus face to face. And we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna see him be faithful on our behalf until we get there. That's, that's enough to seal the day for unity right there. The problem is we start forgetting it, don't we? We have one Lord, one faith. One baptism I means you've just been you've been grafted in through one destination, which is a cross. It's all about one, 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 one. There's just one point of entry to the good graces of God. Praise God for that. And even that entry is a gift from Him. You didn't contribute anything to it. So how dare we stand in judgment of those around us, especially those that are ignorant of the whole gospel? You know, when you fold your arms, you're like, I can't believe those guys. They're living so contrary to God's will and it's just pride, pride, pride and it's all oozing out of our pores and our skin. Pride, pride, pride. And God's like, you've forgotten. You've forgotten. There's one destination through the blood of Christ and I've given it for all the world and they need to know about me. So anyways, it says there's one God and Father of all. So all these one, one, ones, but he's the Father of many, right? He's the Father of faith. Many, 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 many. Around the throne, you guys, there's going to be people that you, they grated on your nerves so bad through this life. You're just going to be eating your words and thoughts for the rest of eternity. With like, man, they're so much better redeemed, you know. Like, I really loved hanging out with them, and I hated them when I was on the planet, you know. And the reality is that God wanted you to have that heart way before not, not having to wait for eternity. Because we don't see the finished product here. So if you're frustrated, if you're angry, if you're upset, if you're bitter, if you're struggling with that in your heart towards other Christians, it shall not be 
as much as it's up to you, you gotta you gotta strive. You gotta endeavor. You gotta work hard towards that unity of peace so that you're able to say before God, God, your grace is so great, your mercy is so vast. I am so undeserving that there's no possible way I could look you in the face and actually justify me not being likewise to those that have hurt me. Right? There's no way you can look Jesus in the face and stay confident in your judgment over them and in that position of authority over them as if pride was okay with God. There's just no room for it. So he's reminding us, if you want to know what it's like to walk worthy of the calling, these are the, these are the bullet points. These are the characteristics of one that's walking, not in ignorance, but in the illumination of God's gospel. He says he's above all, Father's above all, through all, and in you all. Praise God, he's with us. But to each one, so you know about that one, each one of us, grace was giving according to the measure of Christ's gift. Now how great is that? Grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. That's a pretty big measure. Huge measure. Gigantic measure. Therefore, he says, and this is kind of interesting, kind of pulls this out. At first read, you might think, this is kind of random. Why did he bring this up? He starts talking. He says, he quotes the Old Testament, Psalm 68. And he says, therefore, he says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. Now this, he ascended, what does it mean? But he also first ascended in the lower parts of the earth. He who descended is also the one who ascended far above excuse me, all the heavens, that he might fill all things. Now let's just stop there, because then he's going to go, and he gave himself some to be apostles and, and whatnot. Now what is this in here for? Um, I can venture to guess that he's just one more injection of grace before he continue. That we have very little to um, claim as our own. There's absolutely nothing we can claim as our own. And he's basically reminding you that Jesus came down from heaven. He came down from heaven. He descended okay, originally to be with us and to actually die for us. That's a step down, literally. Step down. Father's presence to hear pain, suffering, sin, the whole nine yards, rejection. He even re- was rejected ultimately by his father that he had perfect fellowship with. That's, that's a step down, okay? And he's basically saying, here's one faith, one direction, one point of entry, one faith, one baptism, one God, one father of all, and he's saying, each of you was given grace in such a great measure. And I want to tell you how much measure it was. That God himself, God the Son, Jesus, came down, descended for you to this place. Ultimately, to free captives and take them back to where he was originally. Ultimately, heaven. The very place where his Father is for all eternity and dwells. In all his fullness and all his glory. That's... That's Jesus coming down, stepping down, invading space and time as a step down, and actually so you can be taken a step up. Okay? He's saying grace has been given us such a great measure that, that God himself came to earth. And not only that, laid down his life to sinful people. Can you imagine? I mean, can, can you imagine what that's like to have the creation that you've created treat you as the worst of criminals, and yet it was all designed in your plan to do that and to accept that and to be, and actually the organizer and planner of it, so that you could save the very people that were treating you horribly, and for all generations you could save them. That's just, that's just, he did that for you. It's all grace, and it's all been measured out in buckets and buckets and buckets upon you. So, so, so when he starts getting into who's who, quote-unquote, apostles, prophets. Where's pride left? Where do, we, where do we have room to have pride on our office or our position or our role in the body, one body? We don't have any, right? All of a sudden, my, I'm just really scheming. One day I'm going to be a pastor, and that's top of the rung. You know, no, at all. Each one of us has received grace to the measure of Christ, Okay? So he's basically going to set us up for, remember how much God has done for you, because when we get to the roles and what part of the body you might occupy or fill or the role that you're called to or whatever gifts you've been given, my God, just I want you to stay humble. It's kind of what he's saying in light of God sending his own son to earth, descending. He says, he who descended is also the one who ascended far above the heavens. So he went back to heaven, the right hand of the Father, that he might fill all things. How does, he do that? How does he do that? He sends his Holy Spirit. Remember, Jesus himself said, it's better that I leave 
than for me to stick around. Why? Because the Holy Spirit's going to come, filling all things, all people. We're all one spirit, one baptism. We're all in this together, working together as a body. Now get this. He starts going in the roles. By the way, any questions so far? Y'all with me? Okay, y'all need coffee? We're okay? All right. He might, he gave himself, or he himself, he himself, Jesus, gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. Some, 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 some. Not all, 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 all. You guys, if you do your ministry that you're called to do faithfully, you're the same, if not better, than the pastors in the pulpit preaching on Sunday. Just straight out, no ifs, ands, or buts about it. There's not a position to be strived for that's better than another in the body. And he's going he's gonna to flesh this out. He's going to flesh this out and make it really real for us to not be achieving as if you want to be CEO one day so you can tell other people what to do in the body. But you're going to see that the value is actually being faithful to the calling that you've received for your life because he's gifted you to do that. Okay? So he's basically saying he gave some this, some that, some that. We could break down the roles. I think let's just keep it in a broad sense to say why are they given for the edification of the saints, for the for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry. What is ministry? Serving, right? Just like Jesus. That's serving. Ministry. That's your ministry. I want to be full-time ministry. That's kind of funny to say that. I, I, we know what you mean. I know what I mean. It's like I've always wanted to be full-time ministry. What, well, what does that mean? Okay, that means I already am in full-time ministry. When I became a Christian, I was entered into, hello, lifetime Every second of every day, I'm called to be a minister. You guys are called to be ministers. Some of you will do weddings. Some of you won't. That's a state thing. (laughs) Okay? That's why I say for the power vested in me. By the church, by Jesus who set these roles up in the church. Some, okay? Not better, just some. Because there's other roles for other people to do. And without them, we don't function well. Okay, it's like having a stump instead of legs. I'd rather have the legs attached, you know, so we can run somewhere. And then by the state of California, I pronounce you husband and wife. Doing that this weekend for my step niece. It's going to be really cool. You pray for me. This is the first family wedding on my side that I've been able to perform. And there's going to be a lot of family members there that I'm really excited to to share the gospel. And in all seriousness, uh, one of the bridesmaids just passed away about a month ago. My step niece's. She got in an accident, was, was killed about a month ago. And um, so it's going to be a, it, it has a lot of, um, like going into it, it has a lot of feeling of a funeral as well as a wedding. So it's, it's very much a whole, you know, God's going to work it out. He's going to totally glorify himself for sure. But I'm, I'm definitely solicit prayers for wisdom on how to, how to go about that. So at any rate, um, but he's given everyone grace. He's given everyone a role. And nothing is more important than another part. Why? Because what's the most important part in a human body? All of it. (laughs) Tricked you. No, it's, you can't, you can't, you can have a great heart, but you need a brain, right? You need a brain. Who's the, who's the character in Wizard of Oz that have a brain? Scared, What? I thought I heard Skin Man. It's like Skin Man. That was the horror picture version of it. Skin Man. That's kind of gross. Okay. The head. The head. Who's the head? Who's the head? Christ. Can you imagine a body walking around without the head? Not only that, check this out. I never caught this before, but studying this. Look at this. We, we have some appointed to do a work to equip the saints. That means to, to, to give the saints the gospel that sets their hearts free so that they can be free to live for God, navigating with full lights on, if you will, through life, so they can serve, okay, effectively. And get this, till we all come to the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. What is he saying there? He's saying we... Have a perfect head, Christ. We're imperfect people, but we make up the body attached to the head. Rightfully so. But we need to grow. We need to grow because Christ is already mature. The church, we grow into maturity. 
together. We grow into maturity together. There's components that contribute to the growth. But we all need to be growing. Right? We all need to be growing. And how do we grow? We are grafted in the head, which is Christ. We're submitted to the head, which is Christ. We're at His beck and call. We're serving who He wants to appoint for us to serve. Go back to chapter 2 and check this out. Um, Verse 8 through 10. For by grace you have been saved through faith and not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. It's a gift from God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are His, what? Workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus for what? Which God did what? When did He prepare Him? Beforehand, that we should what? Walk in them. Okay? Whatever you guys, whatever you guys are called to do, He's already planned it in advance. He's created you to do that. In other words, you're fulfilling your part of the body. He's given you the gifts and the talents and the, and the specific way He's designed you so that you can walk in things He's already planned for you to do in advance. And it's not always going to look like you're preaching on Sunday, praise the Lord. It's going to be serving somewhere. It's going to be... Uh, Asking the Lord, Lord, you've made me this way. I know I, hey, you guys, some of you guys have been gifted in certain ways where you're just, there's been years where you're just like, what value is there in this? Okay? Well, how can I be used in the, in the body? Why? Because you're just looking at what's obvious in the body at first glance, which is there's a guy up there preaching. You're like, well, I can't, I can't be a preacher. I'm not good at that. Or, you know, I'm, I'm female or whatever, you know, and you're just kind of surveying like, oh, I can be an usher. You know, it's like, well, I don't want to do that. And like, oh, I could serve in the children's ministry. Well, I don't like kids. You know, and, and you know, and you're just like, you got all these excuses. But the reality is you guys have a part to play in the body. And if you're kind of just hanging out as an elbow and you're not bending anything, because God's already made it so that you can do that effectively because he made you an elbow. He's not going to make you an elbow with the inability to bend the arm, right? Or to, to be a hinge point for these parts. He's going to already do that and he's going to give you the works to do in advance that you should walk in them and and so for you not to actually be eager to at least discover what how you're gifted so you can begin to walk in them or actually continue walking them celebrated by being equipped by those that were pastors evangelists and whatnot for those good works the good works that god planned in advance man you're missing out and really when you when you're in step with the lord and you're using the gifts he's gifted you to do it could be administrative stuff you got to be administrating something you just got to dive in. We need you to do that. You know, you, if you have the gifts of service, you need to be serving. If you have the gift of, of just intercessory prayer, for goodness sake, talk about edifying the church. You got to be praying. You got to be offering yourself to pray. You got to be at every prayer meeting you possibly could get to and encouraging those around you to pray. You know what I mean? You, there's no time for just sitting back and saying, well, eventually somebody will identify me as valuable and they'll ask me and then I'll get involved maybe one time in the future. It's like, no, God's already given you gifts to, to do what he's called you to do and he's already prepared those things for you to walk in in advance. So how exciting is it to discover, God, what is it that you want me to do? Okay? How is it that you've made me? What is it that makes that gets my blood pumping and I'm passionate about? It, you gotta, you, there's, a, there's a reason you, you are who you are. And it's not, you don't, you know, the best, the, some of the best advice I ever got was, don't try and preach like somebody else. Don't try and teach like somebody else. Don't try and be like Driscoll or don't try and be Piper. You know, that's a freedom that comes from just saying, I'm just going to, you know, I'm not going to be a Greg Laurie, okay? There's just no way. I don't even want to. That's not even my role in the church, you know? So why would I want to be like him when I can just be whatever God's made me to be and then just walk in that? There's a freedom in doing that, you guys. So comparisons are out the window. Uh, procrastination is certainly out the window. Right? Uh, you've already been gifted a certain way. All you need is what? You need to know the gospel so your eyes are open, so you can navigate well. And then you're just asking, God, how you've designed me? Have you made me? What is there for me to do for the body? Because I know I'm part of it. I'm not outside the body. I'm not ineffective. And some people would say, well, I, if you only knew my past, I've been disqualified a long time ago. That's where grace comes in. And they said, God has got so much grace. He's just going to pour it in buckets and buckets because the reality is he has a lot more blessing to pour out through you because we're not there's two there's two um 
There's two lakes in Israel. Did I share this already? There's a Sea of Galilee, and then there's what? Dead Sea. Dead sea. What's the difference between the two? Besides one has life and one can't have life. What's that? One is pouring out the Sea of Galilee, everything gets in, everything gets in, goes out. Tributary just comes in, goes out. Highlands, down to the sea, out. Dead Sea, dam, all the way around it. Nothing goes out. It just stays there. It collects. It's a, it's a vat. And, and there's no life. And sometimes we're, we're, we're just, we're like that in our Christianity. We're like, ah, grace is so awesome. We walk out the door and then we just, we're like a big vat. Teach me more about this awesome news. And goodness sake, you need food. That's, spiritual food's important. But it's not just meant for you. It's meant for the, the people around you. It's meant for those that you're called to minister to, which really just means serving. In no way take this the wrong way. But one of the biggest gifts to me and my wife at one point was this gal came up to us and said, it is my calling to provide babysitting for you once a week, every week, so you guys can go on a date because I care about your marriage. And that, talk about devastating when she moved. (laughs) I was like, no, God, no. I'm no way implying that you guys should take that because there's a vacancy. I was just saying, I was just saying, and it's been a while. It's been a while since that's happened. But you know what? You know what? That it's, I mean, she was there. She forced us out of the house. We would just, I mean, she's a servant anyway. I was just, I was just in awe. Like, you want to do what? For it, It's not something that you would naturally just go on a Sunday morning to church, survey the landscape, and say, I can do that, right? This person is a good example of someone who's just saying, God, have you made me? How do you want to use me? Lord, where's the, where's the outpouring supposed to happen? And then step out of faith and do it. And the blessing, the blessing is that there's life and fruit comes forth from that life that's in that mode. Unlike the Dead Sea, where you're just like, I'm just here to occupy a seat. I leave and then I come back next week. See the difference? One's navigating. You're walking somewhere. You might as well be a conduit while you're walking. Right? You might as well be blessing other people as God's created you to do. And if you don't know what that is, take some risks and just say, am I gifted here? (laughs) Maybe, maybe not. Let's just try it. See what happens. What's the worst that can happen? A lot could happen that's bad. (laughs) Hopefully you're you're persistent. Long-suffering. Okay, uh, we'll just do a couple more verses. We're done because I'm not going to get through the whole thing. Just to just go through these last few right here. It says, when you become mature, verse 14, we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. So he's basically saying part of maturity is that you actually grow in the knowledge and the understanding of the gospel. So you're not swayed by various doctrines. You know, when people knock at your door and say, you know, isn't it great that the kingdom of heaven's going to come on earth? Two guys or two gals, and they're saying, here's our magazine, okay? He's basically saying you're going to grow in the maturity, right? As you serve, as you grow, as you never depart from the gospel and the truth of the gospel, the simplicity of the gospel. It was even said in the New Testament, if one iota was added to the gospel, let that person be anathema. So we're just, we want to, be, we want to stay grounded in there. We want to grow in there. We want to continue to 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 examine the Word of God and and have that in our lives so that we're constantly growing in maturity. He's saying, so you won't be deceived and you're going to speak the truth in love and you can grow up in all things into Him who is the head Christ, growth, from whom the whole body joined or bonded, okay, and knit together by by what every joint supplies, every bond supplies, every connection point, that's what it means in the Greek, according to the effective working by which every part does its share causing growth of the body overall church for the edifying of itself in love. So he's basically saying the head is mature, the body's growing into it. He's in charge of it. He determines what where everybody's at. He gifts people according to that. And then we all go together striving to keep the unity while we serve one another and while we serve the world that we live. So we'll end with 17 because it's, it's amazing. Therefore I say, I testify in the Lord that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk 
in the futility of their mind, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that's in them, because of the blindness of their heart, who being past feeling have given themselves over to lewdness to work all uncleanliness with greediness. But that, that, that but right there is so critical. You have not so what? Learned Christ. You've been educated. You're not walking in ignorance. You're not walking in the futility. It's Futility is just work that doesn't accomplish anything. He's saying that's how it is to be alienated from God when you don't know the gospel, when you haven't received the gospel, when you, the Lord isn't your Lord. You're just, you're just, your life is futility. That's how it's defined. And there's so much darkness there that they don't even know that they're blind. And as they're blind, they get numb. And when you're numb, you don't react appropriately to things that are dangerous to you. And you get so far into it that you actually promote which most, which is most damaging, and that's that's the reality of what we live, right? That's the description, pretty accurate in my book, to to what to what I'm inundated every day with, and what we all are. But he's like, you haven't learned that from Christ. You haven't learned that from Christ. There's an illumination that's happened. The gospel has changed your life, and so you can walk in a way that shows that you're not ignorant, but that you're actually understanding what the truth is. If indeed you've heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning your former conduct the old man which grows corrupt according to deceitful lusts and be renewed in the spirit of your mind and that you put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. And that, that kind of image is literally like putting on clothes. You take off the old man, the one that died with Christ, right? been baptized into his death so that we, just like Jesus, could live a new life, it says in Romans. Just like take, you just, even that acknowledgement in the morning when you wake up, I'm not, I'm, it's no longer me that lives, Second Corinthians would say, right? The old's gone, new's come. If any man be in Christ, is a new creation. You're just reminding yourself of that truth and you're saying, just like putting on a new set of clothes, maybe if you put on a doctor's uniform because you're working in a hospital, you're just like, I'm a doctor. I just put on my lab coat. I, I, it just reinforces the, the reality of where I'm at. Well, just like that. When you got an old life and you got a new life, you put on the new life, you're there and you're living it because you remind yourself, I'm in Christ. Christ owns me. I can live knowing that my path's illuminated. And that I can live by just asking God, where do you want to use me to minister, to serve? And in doing so, you glorify Him. Wherever God will take you. Um, so, <clears throat> sometimes um, you can be really confused about where you're supposed to serve, but I'll, I'll end with one funny story. I always thought that I would marry someone and we would do music together. Or this was kind of a fantasy of mine, I guess I could say. It's like, Lord, I love playing guitar. I love worshiping. love all that. And I, I'm pretty sure I'm going to marry someone. We're going to sing together, maybe even play together and Praise God. Wendy is like the best worshiper I know. Like when I watch her worship, she's just caught up with the Lord. It's awesome. But she is literally tone deaf. <laughs> she is just, she can't carry a tune. She she sings to our kids, bless her heart. But I'm like, ah. Her heart is so golden. And she knows it. She freely knows it. She goes, you know, she felt bad the last, or the first few years of our marriage, I think relationship that she couldn't sing with me but then check this out she started playing drums and she started she's like you know what i love music i can't sing can't play guitar but i think i have decent rhythm so she starts playing drums my wife starts taking drum lessons okay so guess who plays with me like in bible studies and whatnot we played in paso calvary once my percussionist was my wife and lo and behold we're doing worship together Nothing like I thought we would be doing it. <laughs> if you go to our house, we have an electronic drum set in our living room. Okay? Set up all the time. And uh, I would just throw that out just to say, you never know what God's going to do. You never know what God's going to do. And you have certain desires and you think you know what's going to happen, but just leave it to the Lord. He's going to do what He wants to do. And it's all going to be a pretty fun ride to see where we end up. You know? And uh, I don't hesitate at all saying, when do you want to play worship with me? She's like, yeah, and I know she's going to worship the Lord when she does it. And it's so fun. And to see her on her kit is just hilarious. She's just, she goes for it. Goes like this. Yeah, it's, it's awesome. Tongues out and everything. I'm like, Lord, you're so good. You know, you just know what you're going to do. And 
So anyways, I don't know why I share that story. I doesn't encourage you. Your, your, your gifting could look a lot different than maybe what you think. Amen? We didn't get through a whole chapter four, but we'll get to it next week. Um, in the meantime, be praying. You know, just be praying. And as you feel prompting by the Lord to, hey, you guys, go to each other and say, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure the Lord's gifted me in this way. I, I just want to confirm it through prayer. And, and, uh, and, and, and some of you guys may start churches. Some of you guys, you know, may, uh, may have a, a destiny where you just, you just know that God's called you to, to lift up and encourage through your hospitality guests. I mean, there's just ultimate, ultimately a myriad of ways you can bless people. So most important thing is just to be asking. Amen? Let's pray. Father God, I just thank you for the patience of this group, God, and letting me go so long. And, and uh, But yet, Lord, it's your gospel that, that transforms us. It's your word that encourages us. And uh, we're, we're forever grateful, God. Thank you so much for illuminating our, our hearts and our minds, Lord, to allow us to see uh, this, this life that we, that we have before us, God, the trappings of it and, uh, and, and the way we, we would walk normally without you. And also, Lord, the, the, the place of flowing with milk and honey, which is just being in the center of your will. And, uh, Lord, we, we know the difference between the two can be very great, can be very vast. So we want to be in step with you, God. Um, you've created each person here, God, unique and specifically created to accomplish what good works you put in front of them accomplished to accomplish. And you gifted them appropriately for those things. And so you're the head, we're the body. We each have our role to play. I just pray that they, as a group, would find their niche, so to speak, in the body. They would have confidence of being a foot or a knee, shoulder, whatever, God. Evangelist, a prophet, someone who just cares for sick kids in the hospital. Whatever, God. I pray that you would pour out your blessing and your leading by your Holy Spirit and divinely appoint these folks and the folks that are, that are here on Wednesday nights to, to the place you want them to serve. And don't let any of us, Lord, just sit by the sidelines watching life go by um, with, with an ignorance as to what you would want us to do. But just prompt us at your, at your, uh, at your beck and, and uh, just allow us to be blessed enough to be participants in this gospel presentation to the world in some small and big way. So I just pray that you will just bless um, our time now in Jesus' name.